Welcome to my series where I'm talking with parents who are willing to share their stories. I'm Lori from Advocacy for the Special Ones in Your Life, and I've asked my clients to tell their stories. They've all had a journey through disability evaluation, diagnosis, and getting help from a special education advocate to better navigate the school system to get the services that are in the best interest of their children. Today's storyteller is Marie. Marie is a mom of an only child, and she shares her story of betrayal and why she listened to her gut when determining placement for her child. She refers to the story of David and Goliath as she stood up for herself to the school, which she believed was retaliating by making multiple DCFS calls about the family. She believes some children have different ways of learning, and one size does not fit all. So, Marie, thank you so much for coming in today. I'm so glad. It's so nice to see you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Um, so, we talked about a week ago, and you and I just kind of talked about your story um, with your daughter, Gracie, and what that was like before you found an advocate. And I would love for the listeners and other parents to just really hear your story. Um, your heart was in your story, and there's so much that other parents can learn from you. So I'm gonna go ahead and just kind of give you the floor to share if that's okay with you. Okay, so Gracie is our only child, so I didn't have any experience in really anything as far as kids learning their numbers and letters and all that, but when she was in preschool, she went to three-year-old preschool and four-year-old preschool. I noticed that she wasn't picking up on things as quickly as the other kids were, and I talked to the teacher and they didn't seem that concerned and just said she'll get it, you know, leapfrog videos and other things that they recommended. And, and she did learn them. I just felt like it wasn't the same as the other kids. Mm -hmm. So we decided to homeschool for kindergarten because I thought I would be able to spend more one-on-one -on -one time with her and that would be a, an advantage to her. Um, it was okay. She was learning to write her letters and numbers and read a little bit, but by the time we were halfway through first grade, I realized that I can't really homeschool her anymore because I felt like there was really something more that she needed that I'm not qualified to give her. Okay. I, at that same time, halfway through first grade, I had also hired a private reading tutor for her who was a special education teacher and reading specialist in another school district. And a friend of mine was using her as a tutor for her daughter and highly recommended her. Okay. And she ended up being a godsend. She was great. She helped me navigate a lot of things. And she said that Gracie needed help. Um, we had already started the process of enrolling her at right after it was at Christmas break, so she would be starting the second semester um, at, at a public school. At right? a public okay. school, she started the school, and they tested her and said, you know, she, you know, is kind of behind her age group in reading and writing, which didn't surprise me. Um, we continued on with the private tutor in the evenings, and she said that Gracie needed speech therapy, occupational therapy, and she needed a reading intervention in school. And I went to the school and requested those things and they agreed and she started those interventions. 
the tutor also said that I should request in writing a case study mm-hmm. because she should have an IEP. And of course, all this was new to me. I didn't really know anything about any of this right. at all. Uh, so it had been about a month or two that she was in school and I approached the teacher and the principal and the teacher said, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you asked. I know that she needs this. I've known it from the beginning, but we're not allowed to say anything until a certain amount of time passes. And I don't remember if it was three months or I don't remember the time period, but I remember thinking, well, by the time that much time has passed and you bring it up to the parent, we're nearing the end of the school year. Yeah. You know, so it's best that we get started on it now. So I put it in writing, requested it. The principal agreed. Uh, They started the case study. It took, I don't know how many weeks, I don't remember. And then at the end of the case study, they said she has developmental delays that were quite severe. Learning disabilities and different things. So they were going to continue the reading intervention and the help that she was getting in school, but the IEP wouldn't start in effect until the beginning of the next school year because the school was almost out by the time they finished okay. all of the... So it was the end of her first grade year, the and they the, would start the IEP right, right. second grade. Right. It, there was only, I think, maybe four or six weeks of school left, so we were just planning on continuing the interventions that she was getting. Beginning of second grade, we would put the IEP into motion. So we'd, I'd already been to a couple of IEP meetings at that point in time with her classroom teacher and the reading specialist and the people that she was working with at school on her team. I felt like everything was going great. Um, I felt like things would be fine moving into the second grade year. Mm-hmm. And then right before second grade started, there was a lot of teachers that left the school. The principal left. Every, there were a bunch of people that left. So... The special education teacher was pulled into a classroom for second grade, and I'm not sure why they wouldn't have put Gracie in her classroom since the situation was that she needed (laughs) help. But in the end, she ended up getting a a very good second grade classroom teacher anyway, but this brought on a new special education teacher and a new speech therapist, an occupational therapist, a new principal. So the team was almost all new and 10 days or maybe two weeks at the most into her second grade school year the special education teacher met with me and her classroom teacher at my request because the books that she was bringing home to practice reading were way beyond what she was able to read Mm -hmm. so I asked can you please send books home that are more on her level so we can practice reading at home? And rather than just saying, okay, they said we should meet. And I said, okay. So we met in after school yeah. in the classroom, and they said there was this whole process that they had to go through. They couldn't just take the books from my hand and give me books that she was reading at. It had to be approved, and forms had to be filled out. And I said, okay whatever, and then the special education teacher said that she recommends Gracie to go into a self-contained classroom. I didn't know what that meant. I asked for her to explain it to me, and she said that for the past 10 or 11 years, she had been working in a self-contained classroom, and this was her first time as a special education teacher 
at school in a mainstream okay, school. Okay, like outside of this. And school. she says that she can tell that Gracie needs it. And I took the letter and I said, well, we'll have to think about it. And I took it to the tutor, who, again, is a special education teacher and reading specialist in a different district. And she said, absolutely do not agree to this. Okay. It's not even close to what she needs. And she said, you're only two weeks into the into the school year. They haven't even really impl- started implementing the IEP yet. I don't understand why in the world they would be suggesting this. So we had another IEP meeting, and I said, I'm not agreeing to this right now. Uh-huh. And the IEP team said, can you at least look at the school? Because it was in a whole different school. The classroom was in a whole different school. It was a school. whole different school. And she had just, you know, kind of started, started making friends. Yeah. And, 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 you know, she seemed to like it. And I was a little leery of pulling her out of that school and putting her in a whole different school. Yeah. And then in this classroom. But my husband and I agreed that we would okay. go look, look at it. and see what it was all about, talk to the teachers there, which we did. We went to the self-contained classroom, um, found out that the curriculum that they would be using and the way that they would be teaching her is exactly what they had been using. It was just more one-on-one time. So they really weren't changing anything in the self-contained classroom. It was just that she would get more attention from a teacher. And I could already see that she was struggling with the curriculum. Mm -hmm. Now, this particular curriculum was brand new this year. So not only were, was the IEP team new, the teachers were new, everything was new. It was a brand new curriculum. Oh okay. And I had been hearing from other parents that weren't happy about this curriculum change. But the district had spent you know millions of dollars on it, and they had to make it work. So I wasn't really on board with the self-contained classroom, so we denied the change. Okay. We didn't agree to it and the special education teacher was unhappy with me and she said I don't think that she's going to be able to succeed and I said you know we're only a month or two into the school year you haven't really even given her much of a chance you know and and you know we were always very nice face to face but I always felt like she was trying to push something on us and it was surprising having her as a special education teacher because she was very abrasive. She wasn't the kind of person that I would expect to be a teacher, much less a special ed teacher. She just wasn't kind and I didn't get a very good vibe from her. So the bad part is that Gracie was having a really hard time in school and wasn't telling us about it at home. So we were just going on with things the way they are. And um, I could tell when I dropped her off that she wasn't happy, but she didn't ever really complain about anything. And I knew she was struggling, but I knew that academics were hard for her. And then out of the blue one day, this, this went on for, you know, two, three months maybe. And out of the blue, I get a telephone call and the lady is from DCFS. And she says she's an investigator. And I 
didn't understand really what the phone call was all about. And then she told me that she had interviewed Gracie at school. And I said, what for? And she said um, that someone had called and that she needed to investigate us. And I was beyond shocked. Like I couldn't even formulate sentences. I was just floored. And I immediately knew that it was the school because it was really the only source of troubles in Gracie's life. Yeah. Uh, and the investigator said, before we get into this conversation, I just want you to know that I don't feel that there's anything going on. I don't feel that there's any need to investigate this any further. I had one conversation at school with your child and she is very bright. She seems very happy. The allegations that were made, I feel, are unfounded, and I've been doing this for 30 years, so I don't see any further need to do anything, but now that the investigation's been opened, we have to close it. And I said, what are we being charged with? Okay. And she said, medical neglect. Medical neglect. So Department of Children and Family Services got a call, supposedly from the school, and they accused you of medical neglect, not educational neglect, medical but neglect. medical neglect. So that's what I said. I said, how in the world are we being charged with medical neglect? I said, I said, it's the school that called. And she said, I can't tell you who called. That's confidential. And I said, okay, you don't have to tell me who called, but I know that the school called okay. because we're, we're fighting with them. And she said, what do you mean you're fighting with them? And I said they want to put her in a self-contained classroom. I didn't even finish the sentence. And the investigator said, do not agree to that. Wow. And I said, I haven't, and that's why I'm we're fighting, fighting with the school. And she said, your daughter does not belong in a self-contained classroom. And she said, again, I've been doing this for 30 years. She said, if you agree to the self-contained classroom, a lot of kids who get put in self-contained classrooms never get mainstreamed after that and she mm -hmm. said your daughter does not belong in that classroom and I said well I'm very glad to say that because this has turned into a big issue between us and the school right and I said what are the people who are complaining saying and I said how can we be charged with medical neglect what does that even mean like I didn't even know what it meant right and she said that the people who complained said that Gracie cries a lot and they felt like maybe something was going on at home. And I said, okay, well, how does that translate to medical neglect? Like none, I couldn't connect any of the dots. Right. And, and I'll explain why later, because it comes out. And she said, well, there have been a total of three calls. We didn't come out on the first two calls. I said, so they called once and you didn't come out. Then they called again and you didn't come out. And then after the third call, you finally went to the school. Is that what you're telling me? And she said, yes. So the first call that they made said that um, the girl, Gracie, 
came to school with a scratch on her face and she's kept in a home with dangerous breed dogs, which her best friend from birth was a Doberman who we had recently lost because she was old and we got another Doberman and they were the most bonded human and dog that I've ever seen in my life. Uh -huh. And she slept with that dog and she gave manicures to that dog and she dressed him up in feather boas uh -huh. and sunglasses and dresses and they were two peas in a pod. Okay. And if you want to call him a dangerous breed dog, I guess you can, but that's ridiculous. And she never had a scratch on her face on top of it. Okay. If she did, I, it wasn't anything that I would have noticed. We had dogs, cats. She plays on her grandparents' farm. Who knows? Yeah. Obviously, they didn't feel it was enough to... They're busy. They're, it's right, an overloaded right, right. system. Right. Then the second time that they called, because I was able to read the reports... Later on. Later yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. So the second time that they called, they said that the mother is un mentally unstable. They... Me, you I mentally, okay. I was mentally unstable. Okay, and um, she's crying all the time. So yeah. there must be something going on at home. That the child is crying all the, the time. The child is and crying yeah. in school. Okay. She cries almost every day. Okay, which I found out later. The reason that she cried almost every day was because the special education teacher made her cry every day in the special education room, and she was pulled out. Yeah. Oh, and I didn't know. I was sending so her to that hell every day. Yeah. Not knowing. That she, she was, was doing what she was told to do. And she didn't want to. She, she's a people pleaser. Right. And especially when it comes to people in authority. Mm -hmm. So she thought that was what she was supposed to do. So that's what she did. And I found out later that that's why she was crying every day. It was because she was going to the special education teacher. Yes, who was very upsetting mean to, to her. her. Yeah. So they didn't come after that call either. Apparently the dangerous breed dog and psycho mom wasn't enough to send out an investigator until they called and said that they thought she was being sexually abused at home. So they were trying everything. After the sexual abuse allegation came out, then they came. Yes. So how did they come to a sexual abuse claim by leading her down a road and asking questions that the that the investigator told me I believe these were the investigators words I believe they've been leading her down a road to say things wow and the investigator asked her you know have you ever been touched or anything and Gracie said yeah when I was a small I got shots and she pointed to her thighs uh -huh. where they give shots right. in the thighs yep. of yep. like yep. And she had two or three however right. old she was and and that was traumatizing to her and ever since that particular set of shots she's been very afraid of afraid, afraid of needles yeah she's has a phobia so she told the investigator yes when I had shots right here and she pointed to her thighs okay and she said I'm afraid of needles now uh -huh. and um the investigator, I guess, was repeating things to her that they had written up so okay. that they could get her out. And uh, Gracie told her that a few weeks prior, she had a nightmare in, in the night, and her dad went in there. It was almost 4 o'clock in the morning, which is when he gets up. Mm -hmm. So when I heard her crying, I said, can you go? And he went and sat with her 
mm-hmm. on the edge of her bed till she fell back asleep. Right. And so that was somehow turned into, he goes into her room at night. Uh. Um, so the investigator said, look, I'm not questioning her anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, if you feel that there is nothing and you continue on the questioning, it does more harm than good. Right. She's like, I, I said, look, we have nothing to hide. You can come and spend a week in our house. I don't right. care. There, there's nothing going on here. And she's like, I, I don't feel that there's anything going on, but now I have to close my case. Right. So I'm like, okay, well, if it's medical neglect, I mean, how do we get around that? She has a, a tutor that she goes to a couple times a week. She's been going to um, an, a therapist because she, I know that school is hard for her right. and they do art therapy. Right. And she likes art, and so we've been doing that. And she said, can you give me the numbers? Gave her the number to the tutor, gave her the number to the therapist, gave her the number to her um, pediatrician. Mm-hmm. And after it was all said and done, I questioned each, each of these people. I said, look, you don't need to tell me what you told them. And they wouldn't even let me finish speaking. They're like, look, you guys are great parents. I never for a minute would think that anything's mm-hmm. going on. And they, they said all these things to the caseworker, so she, she closed the case later on. But in the meantime, I got worried yeah. because now I'm fighting them about the self-contained classroom. I, by this time, know that the special education teacher wants Gracie to fail mm-hmm. because she wants to be right and she wants me to be wrong. And now they've called DCFS on us. Three times. And three times. And now we've got this open case. So I started getting worried, and I'm like... I thought that all of these people were on our side. We had sat around, by this time, three or four IEP meetings. I felt like they had Gracie's best interest in mind. They knew she was struggling. They're the teachers. They're the educators. They have degrees and lots of schooling that I don't have, so I'm trusting them. This is what they do all day, right? They educate kids, Mm -hmm. and they decide who needs help and how to best help the kid. I thought we were all on the same team, and I really did. I, I had cried in IEP meetings. I had been open and vulnerable, and I felt really betrayed yeah. by people that I trusted. Yeah. And by people that I thought loved my daughter, and I thought that they wanted to help her succeed. Yeah. And it was then that I realized that we weren't on the same team at all. No. And none of these allegations came out in any of these meetings. Like, they never said anything they never about said the anything. dog or no. said anything no. about no. Um, things that your no. daughter had said or any nothing. No. So you really feel like this was absolute stab in the back, totally. never bringing things to you. Yeah, once, once the DCFS yeah. called me, and I knew that they had done that, I knew that we were absolutely Alone. on polar opposites yeah. with these people because if if a teacher... Classroom teacher, special ed teacher, principal, if someone feels that something is going on at home, wouldn't they call the parent and say, your kid is crying right. at school every day. Is something going on at home? Right. Has or there been the a nurse loss? talk to you or the social worker talk nobody. to you or the speech and language talk to you or occupational therapist talk? Nobody's nobody, talking to you. Nobody. Nobody. There was one time that the special, special ed teacher called me and said that Gracie had cried in her classroom. And I said, okay what was it about and she kind of went through some of the things that she said about something about a bad dream that she had had 
and I was making notes as the special ed teacher was telling me this. I said, you know, I'm going to bring this up with her therapist, right. and we'll try to work through it. I don't right. know what this is all about, right. but I went to the therapist then and said, look, her teacher said called this, me this yeah. time, and it was it was one time, yeah. and that was it. And then and then you know months later the whole DCFS thing. So. I knew that we were on opposite sides at that point once DCFS came out and they had never bothered to see anything. Yeah. Uh, at home, she was a very ha happy girl. Mm -hmm. And that's what the DCFS worker said. I see her as a very happy, relaxed, bright girl. And she did say, and I'm, uh, this is a learning process for me all the way through this, she did say that a lot of times schools have a box and they expect your kid to fit in the box and she said I can tell that your kid is an outside the box thinker and there's nothing wrong with that very and insightful. so I was very thankful for yeah. that DCFS worker um, so I started calling attorneys because at this point now <clears throat> excuse me I feel like I need representation mm -hmm. because who I thought was on my side and who I thought wanted the best for my kid and who I thought we were all on the same team to help her right. succeed I realized wasn't the case and now I'm afraid of these people mm -hmm. because calling DCFS on someone is about the worst thing that can happen as a parent mm -hmm. especially when there's nothing wrong mm -hmm. <laughs> you know it's all lies mm -hmm. even though I knew that DCFS told me in that very first conversation look there's nothing to be worried about right. so that that did help some but it's still it's an open case Correct. at the time we were considering becoming foster parents is this gonna hurt, Impact that. hurt yeah. our chances you know there's all this stuff and so that's how I found you mm -hmm. was I started calling around and um, was told that I could get an attorney advocate and so I started looking at advocates and found your name online and it wasn't even the nicest ad, but there was something about it that drew me. Okay. The God thing or yeah. whatever it was. It wasn't the flashiest, it wasn't the biggest, but there was something that drew me to you. And um, I was really happy to have met you and to have you come into the following IEP meetings with us because that's when I really found out how much we didn't know. You don't know what you don't know. Yep. And even after just the first one with you, it was a huge eye-opening thing. Mm -hmm. You trust these people, but it was then that I realized that they've done this a million times, mm -hmm. and I've done it once or yeah. twice. And they are all in a team talking amongst themselves. And they make it seem like they want everything that's best for your child, and maybe some of them do. I'm mm -hmm. not. I'm not yep. throwing all of the districts or all of the teachers under the table. I'm just saying this is our experience. And it wasn't until then that I realized what that phrase means. You know, you have to be the one to fight for your child, advocate for your child, know what they need, and then I kind of really understood firsthand experience what that means. Absolutely, yeah. And um, they had always made it sound like there's nothing they want more than your child to succeed. And while I think they would like 
your child to succeed, your my child, I realize what they want more than that is to have themselves look good and to cover all of their bases. And I think what, in our experience, it was more of we cover the bases, we have to make ourselves look good, and in the process of all of that, we'll do what we can to help your kid. Um, once you came on board, even just at the first meeting and just uncovered all of the stuff that they had done wrong, I realized that we were little tiny minnows in this giant tank of huge fish. You a know. horrible feeling for you and, guys. Yeah. You know, there was just, I don't believe there would have been a decent outcome if we hadn't have gotten you. I mean, it wasn't until you came on board that I realized I didn't even know the half of what they were doing. Yeah. Because I think you trusted them. Yeah, like totally. you, you just you trusted them. And, and, and in most situations, that turns out like a pretty good, you know, payoff, you know, and pretty good teams. But in your situation, especially after the betrayal, yeah. and then once we looked at the paperwork and we saw what was happening and we requested the IEE, um, maybe, I don't know if you want to go into that, but I, we could I talk do. a little bit about that to just say, yes. hey, what... Tell us about that independent yes. evaluation so and why I don't that remember, was a good thing. Right. I don't remember if it was a first or second meeting you went to, but once all of this, these mistakes had been uncovered, and, and let me be clear, if we took everything, what happened with DCFS is what led me to you. Mm-hmm. If I had known about you, I would have brought you on before the whole DCFS thing. That was just what scared me into hiring somebody, somebody to help. I don't think most people realize what is going on in those meetings or in their child's case unless you're trained to see certain things. And that's what we hire professionals for. I'm not trained to do back surgery, but if I need back surgery, I'm hiring a surgeon, right? Um, You requested the IEE after you uncovered all these mistakes in her IEP. Of course, I didn't know what that was either. Mm-hmm. We were able to pick the doctor, so I did research on a few. Yeah, did. We picked um, the one in one. Arlington Heights, yeah. Dr. Phillips, and Gracie had over 30. It was somewhere between 30 and 40 hours of testing, which was a lot. It was way more than they even thought they were going to Correct. do. It was very thorough. And the report that we got was, has been to this day, and that was, you know, five, six, seven years ago, yeah. the absolute most important thing that has been more helpful than anything else in this whole story was what I got out of that IEE. Yes. They did such a thorough um, study. I was very thankful that, that you had the school pay for it, that they, mm-hmm. they had to pay for it because of all the Correct. mistakes they made, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because once you request an IE, it's at the district expense. So yes. yeah, they paid for it, and you got a very thorough report that it, explained your child. It explained everything, and to be 100% honest, when we sat down in the four-hour explanation at the end of it with Dr. Phillips, quite honestly, I thought these people are making mountains out of molehills. Mm-hmm. I, I just couldn't shake that feeling. I'm like... Not that I didn't think that they knew what they were doing. I just felt like there's no way that all of this is this bad or this true 
or this detrimental. I just thought, no, I was in denial mm -hmm. at first. Because I wish it was overwhelming. It to was, have it all was. those hours of testing and then a four-hour meeting with a doctor and to hear everything must have been totally overwhelming. I was completely overwhelmed, shocked, yeah. blindsided, all of it. Now I have to say that as time has gone on, they were spot on with every single thing that they said. Yeah. They said, if you don't do this, this is going to happen. Mm -hmm. They were right. They said, these are the things that are wrong with her, and this is what she needs to help. I mean, they were right about everything. They were right about everything. She even went on to do some uh, additional therapy with mm -hmm. them. And one of their therapists said, look, she has PTSD from this woman teacher. Yeah. And we I need to work that. through it. Yeah. Um, we pulled her out of the school after right. that. She had the IEE started at the end of the school year. The IEE finished at the end of the summer. So Correct. we went for like three or four months for testing. And we enrolled her in Montessori. Uh, the school district was going to pay for Cove, which was a great school. We went to visit it, but it was so far. I felt like I didn't want to go that far. Right. And we had been to this Montessori school, and even though we had to pay for it, instead of the district paying like they would have with Cove, it was well worth the money because it, she flourishes there. Right. And I, I think what I remember about you um, is that you kept saying, I need to trust my gut. I need to yes. trust my gut. And I love that about you because you visited the Montessori school and you said, this is how Gracie thinks. This this is like where she belongs. Right. And right. for you, you know, I thought that was a really empowering moment because you'd been through a lot. I had to go head to head with my husband on it because he wanted her to go to Cove. Yeah. We went and visited Cove, loved the people there. Yeah. I wanted Montessori and I said to him, my gut is telling me Montessori. And he said, your gut's never steered us wrong in 20 some years of marriage. So let's go with your gut. It ended up being the right choice. I spoke, the principal of that school said, we'd talk to her about mm -hmm. all of this. Absolutely. And she said, you know, call this woman. She was a mom of a few kids there, and she was also a speech therapist yeah. and had a child that had similar struggles. Mm -hmm. And so I called her out of the blue. I said, look, this is my name. This is my kid. This is, I didn't tell her any of the backstory yeah. that I've said so far, okay. nothing. I just said, I have a daughter. She has some special needs. These are her issues. This is where she's falling behind. They want to pay for Cove. I want to go to Montessori. And she said, Cove is a great school. We looked at it for our child, oh. but it just, it's too far and my job and we couldn't do it. And she said, I'll just tell you one thing. She said, if it's healing that your daughter needs, Montessori is the place. Nice. And, um... And she uh, needed, I Gracie so, needed healing at that point. I, I remember she needed healing from, yeah, you know, she whole, needed to love school again. Yes, she did. She yeah. had lost her love of learning. Yeah. And when those words came out of that woman's mouth, I knew that's it. This is where she's going. The whole first year there was she had to redo second grade. Mm -hmm. She went in as a third grader. In, in Montessori, they do first, second, and third in one room. Okay. Fourth, fifth, and sixth. And they might have multiple rooms, but they always put those grades together. So she did, she Two had years. to redo second yeah. grade. Because as you probably remember, when you looked at her scores, mm -hmm. she advanced 
from the midway point to the end of first grade. It was slow, but it was progress. Correct. In second grade, there was zero progress Correct. from the beginning of the year all the way to the end of the year. Correct. So second grade, she redid, but that whole first year was a lot of healing and untangling. Oh, she yeah. was an emotional mess. Yeah. She was a wreck. Like you said, there was some post-traumatic stress yes. there that needed she kept, to be worked out. She kept you know? thinking that that special ed teacher was going to come and take her out of the room. Mm. She kept asking her teachers, what if she comes here? She can't. She doesn't work here. Well, what if she work, What if she puts on a disguise and gets yeah. hired here? It was every day. Stressful. Every day for yeah. the whole year. Yeah. But that all got untangled, and they it were did. wonderful. And she continues to thrive yeah. there. That's awesome. So, I love that. <laughs> but you know, none of it would have been possible without having brought you on board to help uncover what she needed, yeah. uncover what they were doing wrong, and help us get on the right track. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's like, I think you hearing the mom's story about Montessori and now you telling your story about the whole thing, I think there's power in that. I think there's power with moms talking to moms and, and parents just hearing each other's stories and just lifting each other up. And I think what I love about you is you, you know, you listen to your gut. Like you were able to remove yourself and say, yeah, it's been a really rough six months. But what I think my daughter really needs is this. And what she doesn't need is this. And you were able to just really listen to your gut. And it's been um, a really good experience for you yeah. um, after that. Yeah. You know. So, yeah. Is there anything else you want any of the parents to know? Anything else? I know you have shared a great story um you often i know refer to like a david david and goliath moments you know where you were just like oh this is so hard in yeah it journey it was hard and you know it did feel like david and goliath um one of the things that the tutor told me the private tutor that we'd hired that helped me through so much of this i didn't know anything and she helped me through so much she said there are so many different ways of teaching and a lot of times kids like Gracie need different things, different ways of teaching and in our experience in this particular school it was like a one-size-fits-all and, and in the they, public school. Yes, yeah, in the public absolutely. school they expect they have a box like the DCFS person said they have a box and if your kid doesn't fit in that box they have a really hard time mm -hmm. and you combine that with learning disabilities and it's it's such an uphill battle yeah you know at the Montessori school they meet your kid where they're at they have lots of different ways of teaching things mm -hmm. and through that she regained her love of learning and if they've lost the love of learning it's just it's almost like there's no way to go yeah you, ha you have to get it back. And when they have that much trouble uh, in school. You gotta regain it somehow, yeah. They have, to, they have to somehow get back on track. And one of the things that Dr. Phillips said is that, you know, a lot of these kids that struggle, like Gracie, when they get older, if they, if they don't close that gap, they start because she has a lot of other diagnoses going on, but these are the kids that self-medicate. Mm -hmm. You know, they get into all this self-destructive behavior because they're frustrated and discouraged, yeah. and they feel such a huge gap between their peers and themselves academically, and then they get hopeless, and 
I took all of that to heart yeah. and I know that it's the case. And now that we're in the teen years, I can see that all of that stuff is really important because being a teenager is hard enough anyway yeah. without adding all this other stuff to it. So I would just say, yes, trust your gut. You know, know a lot of times in these IEP meetings that it is David and Goliath, even if you, you don't see it right in the beginning because they're a well-oiled machine. They're a well-oiled machine. They know what they want the outcome to be and they're going to steer the direction and say whatever they need to say to get the outcome that they want and if your kid can get helped in the process that's great that that's what they want but more than anything they want to do it their way and if your gut is saying maybe it's not the right way it's probably not i think that's a great way to end right there so thank you so much i appreciate this and hopefully all the listeners have appreciated it thanks as for well. having me